I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles now to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, and we'll be beginning now a new series. Uh, If you've been with us over the months and years, you recall we've gone through a number of series, I guess, since we've begun as a church uh, family, beginning with John that we preached through way back in 2009, looked at uh, the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, and then Ephesians, I think that was most of 2010, and then last, uh, last year looking at Exodus throughout the springtime, and then Philippians in the fall, along with a, a few psalms, I think, over the summertime that we've uh, looked at as well. And we begin today a, a new series that will carry us for a, a number of months, and, and I'm excited about I hope you all are excited about as well, walking through this gospel of Mark, walking through this gospel of Mark. I'll mention today and, and probably remind us as the weeks go on of a few of the facts that help us to sort of situate the message of Mark as we need to. Uh, John Mark, certainly, who we read about elsewhere in scriptures, and the scriptures was the author of Mark and derived his message, his account of what took place in the life of Jesus certainly was inspired by God to write this, but humanly speaking, from the apostle Peter was the primary person that helped uh, put this together, this account. 65 A.D. or so is the year that this was written, which makes it the first of the Gospels that have been recorded. And uh, Mark has in mind for us, as we're going to see in the weeks and months ahead, one main thing, as all the Gospels truly have for us, and that is that we would see Jesus. That we would see Jesus, that we grow greater to realize his love for us, his majesty, the glory of who he is, that we would embrace him more, obey him more, walk with him more deeply, that we would see Jesus. That's going to be our overarching focus in the weeks and months ahead. As we do work through Mark, it it will be a series that will carry us a number of months, but you can take a little solace in in this fact that Mark is actually the shortest of the four Gospels. It's not only the shortest, but it's the most sort of action-packed. In fact, if, uh, if if it's true that actions speak louder than words, then Mark is yelling at the top of his lungs about the Lord Jesus. It's an action-packed gospel, more focused on what Jesus is doing than necessarily, although it includes certainly things that Jesus was saying. It's a book of action. And then I want to mention as well that as we work through, again, we've been in one of the Pauline epistles last year, which was Philippians. We've looked at Exodus early in the year, so it's been a little while maybe since we've taken a look at one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so a good thing for us to realize today as well is the nature of what a gospel is when we talk about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you think about it, it's a fascinating piece of writing, even if you were to take away God's perfect inspiration of it, because it focuses in on two-thirds of each of the gospels on just three years of Jesus' life. And then fascinatingly focuses the other third, all the Gospels for the most part do this, on just 
the very last week of the life of Jesus. So they're different. If you just look at it as a piece of writing, it's different from any other thing that you would read in history and that focus. And, of course, coming to the culmination of what Jesus does in laying down his life sacrificially to pay for our sins and raising up from the dead to be our life and hope, to secure our eternal hope. Another way of putting it is that if we think about some other writings that we might find out there, such as a myth, ancient mythical writings. A myth is about man's attempt to understand and get to God. The Gospels are about God's revelation of Jesus reaching out to us. That's one way to think about it. Another way would be to say this, and uh, Tim Keller has mentioned this uh, before, that a Gospel is not primarily a life of Jesus. A gospel is not primarily a life of Jesus, but rather instructions on how we can find our life in Jesus. One other way to think about it is if we think about the gospel, a gospel being good news, as we're going to talk about a little bit more as we walk through this today. If we think about good news, the gospel is not good news like newspaper news that you might read an article there or two if you happen to be interested, or might toss it in the recycling bin if you're not going to look at it. The gospel's good news that demands, that calls upon us, that requires of us a response. It's good news that calls upon us to do something with it. That's what a gospel is, and this morning what we want to do is begin to look at that good news by focusing on just two verses, so we're going to jump just a few verses into Mark, to get the, the global theme of the whole gospel and really, in a sense, to think about a global theme for our lives this year individually and as a church this year. We're going to jump into those two verses, and then in the following weeks we'll actually jump back and then move our way down through the passages throughout the book of Mark. Well, let's look at these two key verses this morning. I invite you to stand in recognition and honor of God's Word, its power, its truth. I'll read it aloud. You read along silently. Just Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, which says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You may be seated. Let me pray for us as you do. Oh, Father, we do give special attention in prayer right now to our time. And we ask, Lord, that you would open our closed eyes, unstop our sealed ears, that we could hear and see more of you during this time by your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've probably all been there at one point or another getting ready for that big trip you've got coming up. Maybe it's business related for that special meeting you've got 
down the road somewhere, or maybe it's to go on that big, nice cruise you've been saving for for a while. But as you get ready to go, the suitcase sits on the bed. If you're a meticulous person, you might have a checklist of what you plan to bring. And you gather together the clothing items and you grab the bathroom items and maybe a book or a magazine or two to read and you get everything packed in there, head on out. And 15 minutes down the road, all of a sudden, you remember it. You forgot something. Not just something, but you forgot that main presentation that you'd been working on for weeks and months for that business meeting that you're going to. Or you left sitting there right on the edge of the dresser those tickets for that cruise that you've all gotten all packed up to go on. You left something important behind. So we think today about these verses that remind us of central matters, of, of overarching matters of our life in the Lord, of the gospel, and of what it means for the kingdom of God in our lives. We want to be reminded today of how important it is that as we go off on this journey for this next year, if you will, as we move forward individually, as we move forward as a church family, how important it is that we make sure we don't leave that main thing behind. Others have certainly colloquialized it, saying the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Isn't that true for us? And yet so difficult at so many places in our lives. We're certainly going to spend in the coming weeks time getting into the nitty-gritty, if you will, of the book of Mark, into the details of it. But today what I want us to think about is that main thing and to be asking ourselves a couple of important questions as we think about this main idea. If you want to follow along in your worship guide, you certainly can in the worship notes section. But it is this, is the gospel of Christ that Jesus comes proclaiming, saying is the centerpiece of who he is and what he came to do, is the gospel message and its outworking in the kingdom of God in our lives, is that the main thing for us today, this week, as we look into this year? Is that the main thing for us individually? Is it the main thing for us as a church? Because Jesus didn't come just to talk about anything or just to do anything. He came and said specifically in these verses that he was proclaiming the gospel and that the gospel related to the kingdom of God. That was his opening line. That was the launching point. And so it ought to be so for us as well. Let's take a look at this today then. And as we do and think about these realities in our lives, it might help us to think about it this way. We do want to talk about both the gospel and how it relates to the kingdom. We might think about it this way. If we find in our lives that it's easy to 
falter in having some vision for the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about what the kingdom of God is. But as you hear the word phrase kingdom of God, if you think, well, I, I don't even know what that means, what that has to do with my life. Well, fantastic. We've got a great opportunity for you in the coming weeks because Mark is going to tell us about the kingdom as Jesus describes it and lives it out. And is going to tell us about the leader, the king of this kingdom, the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, it can not only be easy to just misunderstand the kingdom altogether, it can be so easy for us, can it, to build for ourselves our own kingdom, to be focused on that rather than the kingdom that we're called to build for Jesus, not just individually I'm talking here, but as a church family, as a church family. The kingdom of God is center peace for us. It can be easy too, even within, you know, we've got this church vision statement to grow in truth, to live in community and to serve in God's kingdom by God's grace and for God's glory. Even within that, we can get a little lopsided about kingdom priorities. We might get a little light on growing in truth and be real heavy and zealous about serving in the kingdom. Those things can get out of balance. Jesus reminds us of the center priority of the gospel and the kingdom of God for our lives. Let's talk for a minute about the gospel. Uh, The gospel is described in numerous places in the scriptures, but I'm just going to touch on a few for us today to think about what the gospel is. And again, I just invite you to consider as as we enter into this new year, what does the gospel mean for your life? How is it shaping and informing your life and my life? Romans chapter 1 reminds us in verse 16. Paul says that he is not ashamed of the gospel. Because why? Because it's the power of God to salvation for all who believe. For the Jew and for the Gentile. We could probably spend a lot of time just on that one verse, but I'll just mention a couple of things. The gospel, it says there, is something not only we shouldn't be ashamed of, we ought to be proud of. Paul says elsewhere, we boast in Christ. ought to be the centerpiece of our life. Paul says we can't be ashamed of it. We've got to lift it up high in our lives. Why? Because it's the power of God. It's the power to salvation for us to come to know Christ, to experience Christ. All that comes only through the gospel. The power unto salvation for all who believe. Here's a beautiful thing. We receive this kingdom. We receive the blessings of the gospel. Not by doing some monumental thing. Not by climbing some huge spiritual mountain and exceeding above everybody around us. We receive it actually by acknowledging that we can't climb that mountain. That we can't get there on our own, that we absolutely are dependent upon it as a free gift. So it can only come then through belief, through trusting in its work. And then it says there that it's for the Jew and for the Gentile. That means a lot of things biblically, but for us today what it means is that it's true, it's salvation for everybody. Nobody, there's not another track or another pathway for another group of people. It's for everyone. The gospel is the centerpiece 
1 Corinthians 15, if you want to turn there with me, we'll look at these verses as well. 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 1. Again, the Apostle Paul. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and in which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast. A couple of things just right there. You look with, that, with me at that verse. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached. So the gospel is something we share. The gospel is something we're to be hearing about that's coming into our ears that we receive. So we, we take it in. It comes into our life and we grasp it. We stand in it, it says there, in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast. We're to hold, cling tightly to it. It's good, fitting as we think about this new year and the place of the gospel in our lives to ask, am I gripping that? gospel is that my lifeline am i holding dearly to the gospel and then the apostle paul goes on just in case we were wondering in verse 3 of first corinthians 15 he says for i delivered to you as of first importance what i also received that christ died for our sins that he was buried that he was raised on the third day pretty straightforward message really there's obviously complexities to it, or we wouldn't have this whole Bible to uh, help us probe the ins and outs of it. But the core, the kernel, the, the, the centerpiece of it is pretty straightforward. Jesus came, died, and he rose again. And that means transformation for us. So the gospel is a priority. Let me highlight a couple other things. You don't have to turn there, but Second Corinthians 4.4, 4, the Apostle Paul says this about the gospel. Even if our gospel is veiled, difficult to see, has a veil over it, he says, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, he's talking about the evil one, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. What's that telling us about the gospel? Not not only is it a free gift, not only is it the power of God, not only is it something we can hold fast to and stand in, but there's somebody that doesn't want us to see it, doesn't want to keep our eyes focused on it. In fact, would love for us to be blinded to it. This evil one out there is working against the gospel. A couple other passages for you, and then we'll bring to some applications. Galatians chapter 1, if you want to turn there with me as well. Thinking here again about the gospel, what is the nature of it? Galatians is right after uh, Romans and First and Second Corinthians and so forth. The Apostle Paul says in chapter 1 of Galatians, verse 6, this is a church, uh, maybe like our church, and they've heard the gospel. Many people in the church have received the message that salvation comes through Christ, that we can have our sins forgiven and all that is involved in that. And listen to what the Apostle Paul writes to them just a short time, it seems, after he's been with them and proclaimed this message. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is really another one, but there are some who trouble you and even want to distort the gospel of Christ. And then listen to what he says. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel 
contrary to the one we preach to you. Let him be eternally accursed. Verse 11 of that chapter. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. What's the Apostle Paul telling us there? Not only is there one who would seek to blind us to the gospel, in fact, there are alternative gospel pathways that have the label on them. The package says gospel, and guess what? You open it up, and it ain't gospel inside there. He's saying that we need to be very careful not only to talk about the gospel, to sort of think about the gospel, but to make sure we have a biblical gospel and it's so vital, he says, that even if, some, you know, even if he came back, even if an angel was preaching it to you, don't listen to him. Stick with the gospel that I gave to you. So too for us. You see where some of these things are going? For some of us, and I know it's exciting when you get to a new year to think, I'm going to do new things. I'm going to be involved in this new club. I'm going to join this new fitness deal. I'm going to start this new hobby. And those are wonderful. I hope you're excited to do some new things in the year. Uh, Several of these verses about the gospel remind us of something, folks. Walking in the gospel, glorifying God in the gospel, is about holding on. Is about hanging on tightly to what we know. To what we know. A number of other verses in the scriptures that probe the depths of the gospel. One that I'll mention back in Mark that's interesting for us and we can think about more another time, but it mentions the gospel as well. In Mark 13:10, it says that the gospels got to be proclaimed to all the nations before we should expect that Jesus would return. That's an interesting reality as well. So where are we today in the gospel? We start the new year. Is this message that we're far more broken and sinful than we ever might have thought we were, but God loves us so wonderfully in Christ, far more than we could ever imagine? Is that the centerpiece for us? Is that our heartbeat as we come in to this new year? Not only needs to be our heartbeat, but really the whole body, like our physical body, requires that heart functions based upon having the gospel at the center. You can think about it as the heart of the kingdom of God, and I'm moving on to our second topic for this morning, the kingdom of God. You can think about it as the heart. You might think about it, if you're a little bit of a biochemical person, as the DNA, The gospel is the DNA, and around it grows this body called the kingdom of God. You might think about it this way uh, as well. The gospel is more than an idea. It's kind of like maybe democracy or capitalism, if you will. It, It only really is true. It's only really demonstrated when it lives out, when people practice it. So, too, the kingdom of God. I want you to think about that today. What if you had to define it? If somebody pinned you in a corner and said, what is the kingdom of God? What would you say? What's the kingdom of God? 
I think the scriptures show us that it's rooted, the heart of it is the gospel, the fuel of it, you could say, is the gospel, the DNA of it is the gospel, but the kingdom is maybe not as complicated as we might think. The kingdom of God is God's people in God's place, under God's plan, with God's presence, and with God's rule and blessing. It's God's people in God's place, with God's presence. That's the kingdom of God, under His rule and blessing. It's anywhere that that is happening. It's begun for us who have embraced Christ in this life, and it's going to extend on into eternity. That's what we've sung about earlier, one of the songs we sang, about the fact that through all eternity, this is what we will be doing, the kingdom of God. So we've been able to venture in and begin upon it now. I like what Edmund Clowney says, and I think it's in your worship guide if you want to read along with me, about the connection between grace and the gospel and the kingdom. He says, Jesus came in the flesh not to bring judgment, but to bear it. Not to slay with the sword of his lips, but to receive the nails in his hands and the spear thrust in his side. In no other way could his kingdom come and God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom established by grace must be advanced in grace and then consummated in glory. Not by political power, but by the power of the Spirit is the gospel carried to the nations. Talked about the gospel, whether the gospel is the centerpiece for us. I think a secondary but related primary theme for us individually this year and as a church is to ask ourselves about the kingdom. Is the gospel bearing fruit in a heart for the kingdom? And if we look at our lives and we say, like, like I often find myself throughout the week, I know it's a shocker that the pastor feels this way sometimes as well, but that the kingdom... And stuff of the kingdom and kingdom realities and surrendering to the kingdom and living for the kingdom are not really all that exciting for me. If that's maybe true of you at points, obviously for all of us, that means that like a a light on the dashboard of our Christian life car, something's wrong (laughs) underneath the hood. Something's not quite running right if Jesus comes into the world and says, I bring the gospel, and the gospel brings the kingdom, and we hear about the kingdom and kind of, yeah, it's oh, the kingdom, kingdom of God. It's kind of nice that he's doing a kingdom thing. It's great. Excited God's doing a kingdom. But it doesn't register with us. It doesn't elicit uh, desire. It doesn't elicit, elicit love. It doesn't elicit a desire to walk in it. It ought to be a sign for us. It's a sign on the dashboard that something's not quite right. Certainly it could be for us today as we think about the kingdom. I asked you earlier, what does the kingdom mean? It may be for some of us that are just beginning our spiritual journey or coming back to a walk with the Lord after some time of journeying away. That It may be just a There's some knowledge there that's lacking. I didn't really know that the kingdom was supposed to encompass every area of my life. didn't really know that I was supposed to take and look at each aspect of my life and family and relationships and my attitudes and my speech and and try to put that all into God's kingdom. I just didn't realize that was part of the deal. That could be the case 
for us. Probably for more of us, perhaps, here today, it's the case of, yeah, I know exactly what the kingdom is about. I know exactly what it would mean, or I got a pretty good idea what it would look like. It's just really, really hard. It's just very difficult to actually wake up each day and say that I want to be a part of God's kingdom. I want to see God's kingdom extended and to have that be a centerpiece of my life. It's hard to keep that focus as a church family as well, corporately. And what I want to say to us, and I'm getting at it, I guess, already, folks, is, is just this, that, and, and, and I would just plead with us. As a, as a church family, as a corporate body this year, that, that we'd be praying, that we'd be seeking, we'd be encouraging one another to have the kingdom of God be what Cross Creek Church is about. Every church should be about the kingdom of God. And, and you could really put it this way, if you want to be blunt, if a church is not about the kingdom of God, then it's really no church at all. That's why Jesus comes and the very first things that he says are, I come with the gospel, I proclaim the gospel, and it's a gospel about the kingdom of God. So would you join with me this year in praying and asking God that he would bring uh, a reality of the kingdom to bear in our lives as a church, that, that we'd grow to love the kingdom more and to seek it, and we'd see the gospel as the centerpiece of it? You know, it's... A little bit tough sometimes. I know I'm giving a sermon that's dealing with some global kind of issues, some broad concepts like gospel and kingdom. Interesting thing is Jesus brings it down to some nuts and bolts, and I'll uh, give this as our last uh, point for us to consider. He says, again, if you look back with me in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom is at hand. Repent. And believe the gospel. Repent and believe. What he's just reminding us of there, again, is that the way that we do what I'm describing today, the way that the, the gospel and the kingdom become centerpieces of our life is through belief. It's through believing what God has done, believing who Jesus is, and asking God, like that man that came to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. I've got to start here, but I need some help believing these realities more. Because wouldn't all of our lives be dramatically changed if we believed the gospel and the kingdom more? And then Jesus also mentions this word, picking right up where John the Baptist left off, which is kind of a bad word in our culture, and I've said it before, repent. Repent. Sounds a little antiquated, a little legalistic, a little rough around the edges. All Jesus is reminding us is of the actual beauty of acknowledging to the living God that we aren't on the right track, that we do try to build our own kingdom, and that's our focus most of the days. And to be thankful that we have a God who we can come to and say, I am sorry. I've once again gone to live for myself and for my own kingdom instead of yours. What a marvelous thing that every day and moments throughout the day we can do that. Repentance isn't a bad thing. It's a great thing. The reason Martin Luther put that as the very first one of his 95 theses, did you know that? 
95 critiques that he wrote that rocked the, the church and shifted the whole priorities. Number one was that the life of the believer is a life of repentance. And I would just add joyful repentance. It's not a drudgery to realize a gracious God gives us opportunities to turn, to change. Talked this morning about keeping the main thing a main thing and not forgetting the gospel and not forgetting the kingdom and sort of leaving them behind as we move forward with our busyness this year and our busyness as a church family as well. I share with uh, permission a story about an incident in the life of my wife, Patience. An incident that we have categorized under a uh, sometimes growing heading called baby brain. Baby brain incident. This was uh, some months after our twins had been born. So we had our older child. I think he was being taken care of somewhere. So patients now had a couple of months had gone by, kind of in that phase to begin to go out back into the world, load up those twins and go on. I was at work, I suppose, and Patience was headed out for that exciting first journey that many moms, a couple months after those babies come, to go and do. Not to the nail salon, not to the spa, but off to Walmart to get that first batch of groceries with the groceries depleted at the house. And she didn't have a whole bunch of other errands that she was running. She was just going to Walmart. She did have the little ones with her. Oh, she had a couple of carts, and not having been at the grocery store for a while, up and down those aisles she went, loading up this and that. I mean, carts full of stuff to replenish the Fort Peters. And then she made her way up to that checkout line, loading things on, trying to manage those little twins a bit as well, until the clerk asked her a very simple and straightforward question. Ma'am? How would you like to pay for these? Well, patients realized at that moment that this was an episode of baby brain. She didn't have one dime with her to pay for the groceries. She's kind of a, if you know her, a little bit of a black and white thinker, kind of rule keeper. So she was a little bit embarrassed even to have to ask them to hold those groceries there while she made her way out to the minivan. But she loaded the twins with her and kept those groceries there all neatly. The bag person had put them in the bags and went out to the minivan, only to discover that this was, in fact, a severe incident of baby brain. She didn't have one form of payment with her to pay for it. Folks, let's not leave behind the most important thing that we need as we walk through this year as a church family. Let's keep it at the center of our lives, the center of our heart. Let's encourage one another that way that the gospel and the kingdom of God would be the centerpiece. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we do thank you that you have blessed us to send your Son, and that your Son comes declaring to us a message of saving grace in the gospel and a message of the glory of the kingdom, that we can rightly devote our lives, our attention, our hearts, our zeal towards. 
Help us to do that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.